Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Today's podcast is all about horses that aren't responsive, and they include questions about whether this relates to the legs, the reins, and us. Your first question, Mark, is from Caitlin, and she's over in Belgium. Caitlin would like to know how she can get her young horse, who's three years old, to respond a bit better to her leg. He doesn't want to go forwards, and she's afraid that if she starts bumping her leg or using her legs too often, he'll just become unresponsive to her legs. She says, of course, we all want a horse that's light and uh, light to our legs and our hands, but how can you actually teach this to a young horse? Yeah, um, good, good question. It's, it's, uh, it's funny, I had this conversation a bit at clinics and um, so if someone came and fenced at one of my clinics for half a day and I was doing a lot of rain work, they'd go away and tell their friends that Mark doesn't use legs. And actually there was another sort of, I guess, a, a trainer was doing a lesson and and they said, oh, you know, I know you're working with Mark and he doesn't use legs. And the other person there said, well, well, actually he does. It's just when he uses them and chooses to use them and what they're what we're working on. So I'm big on trying to teach horses one thing at a time. And so the interesting thing is someone that went away from a clinic going, oh, I don't use legs, would actually come to another clinic and go, geez, he uses a lot of legs. And not that I use a lot of legs, I teach a lot of leg, uh, as in I teach the horse to understand the legs and till the horse understands the legs because the most common problem that I see with a lot of horses is we're constantly using the legs but nobody ever pre-taught the horse exactly how to follow those legs nicely but we just use them because they can annoy the horse enough to get forward so the horse learns forward Um, and then a lot of horses are going into their advancement and they're still either frightened or annoyed about the legs but the person just keeps using them thinking that the horse has learnt the legs and they haven't. They're just kind of, you know, even a horse I rode just at the last clinic, it's, um, it, it had done some fairly fancy sort of dressage stuff and moves, but really it was kind of troubled by the legs. And I thought, you know, all, the, all this work that it's had with the legs and it's still troubled about the legs and the reins and then it just tries to put itself in these shapes because it was carried with legs and extra pressure and just made to, to do things and, not spent time understanding the legs. So it's really good that you don't want a horse that's dull to the legs and and, and you don't want to bump it all the time and make it dull. Um, So you've got to work out, is your horse blocking out the legs first? You know, so, and then I'll explain other ways, but is is my horse blocking out the legs? So when when you put a feel of a leg or a hand on your horse, is it aware and does it start to search? Does it start to go, or does it just go, I'm just, You know, and then you poke it or push your hand on it and it's just like <laughs> nothing, 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 nothing. So so you've got to have a responsiveness in your horse that it actually starts to search and it's aware of the part of the body that you're touching and then you can offer it a pathway. So like sometimes I, I'll use a belly rope on horses to get them more aware of their rib cage. So they when you put a feel of your legs on their rib cage they they actually start to search and and and, and look for an answer so so uh, just a, a groundwork lesson is is just you know put a belly rope on your horse one that can tighten and loosen 
and have have like it go through a loop, like a, a, a ring, like if you've got a ring rope or something, and you you put the, the it up halfway up the side of your horse, and you just stand at a bit of a distance. You put a bit of feel through that belly rope, and the horse just goes, oh. I'm so used to getting girthed that I'm just going to stand here and just not even worry about it. So if I see that expression, I'm going to start to bump on it a bit and say, bump, 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 bump. And the horse will go, ooh, 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 what's that? And when you see it kind of wriggle and search, you loosen up a little bit and then you start with a small amount of feel again and it'll start to go and you'll see it start to maybe blink or start to kind of, um, uh, you know, search a bit. You, and then you keep that feel coming and if the horse starts to freeze a bit, you might go bump, bump, bump with it and then the horse might just wriggle its feet and move a bit it moves a bit that's the answer so um and then after a while you'll see the awareness come into the horse when you pick up the feel and it'll start to lead forward with that pressure okay sometimes if you're having a bit of trouble you can help them a little bit with the lead rope on their head but a lot of people overhelp with that and then the horse actually thinks oh when the person squeezes i walk forward it like a cue they don't actually follow the feel of what's on their rib cage so i actually really try and hold out and say i'd really like you to find this um, through the field, not just through the um, making a cue through the lead rope. So, and that's a good way to build awareness to 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 um, get the horse to move off a stimulant around their rib cage. Other things I do is I, I might have the saddle on the horse, and I'll just have the flag, um, and I'll just kind of start bumping the saddle and just just making a little bumpy feeling around the horse's ribs, and and then the horse goes, oh, I'm feeling that. I might move forward and then you just let the flag carry with the horse and so you add a bit of stimulant again around that area, the horse starts to move forward and you start to do that on groundwork so you can actually create some sort of um, feeling around the horse's ribs that gets it to search and want to go forward and, and get more impulsion. So And you can do that just in a circle around you or in a straight line beside you. Till it, you can do that on both sides and you can put any stimulant around that horse's ribs and and, and, and be able to help them through. And sometimes I'll add a cluck as I do it just to sort of get that kind of, oh, okay, move forward, let's move forward. But as I say, you want to, it doesn't, you know, you don't want this cue system. You want it to just be able to sort of know that you can just put any feel on its ribs and it knows to search and move forward. So you do that with the belly rope, like I said, with the flag. And that's just working on that that area to, to get a forward thought to start with. So... And then the next thing is when you're riding your horse, if you've done a fair bit of that, there's a chance that when you wriggle your legs and bump, the horse starts to search. Um, on some horses that are quite dull, you don't start with squeeze first because you're going to waste a lot of squeezes. You've got to get the horse quite aware before you start to squeeze a nice soft squeeze into your horse and they just move forward. The next thing I do, though, is is more rein work. So when I'm on the horse, I'm, I, I teach the horse forward under saddle before I use my legs, and that's that's one of the keys to getting a horse that's going to not shut down to the legs and be interested in going forward is because I do a lot of one rein starts on the horse, I actually pick up the rein and pull and draw that rein until that horse follows the rein. It moves its feet for a little bit, but it may not search. And then as soon as those feet stop, I'll pick up a rein again and say, move those feet. Until the horse is going, oh, right, I'll just keep searching and moving. Then when you pull a left rein or a right rein, the horse just follows that rein around. And then as you gently pour that rein into it like a loose rein that the horse can walk straight out, they just start to kind of continue that forward movement and keep walking. Um, so basically sometimes they might stick where you first start to ride them and that's where other horses are, where their comfortable place is. And that's where usually the one rein starting will start. But as soon as they let go of the thought of home, they'll start to search for those reins. And you'll get to a stage that you'll be able to ride your horse without your legs and it'll walk around the arena and you haven't touched it at all with your legs. So you've 
got your horse already walking forward, thinking forward, traveling forward. So then if that's available from a standstill with the reins, surely enough, it's going to be a lot closely. Uh, it's going to be a lot closer to being available with your legs. So, so once the horse finds a walk that it feels okay at it and it's nice and forward and confident, you've got a reasonable speed there that you could always take the horse to. So you're not taking the horse above something if it's not very confident. Like some horses get, get uh, you know, people get told their horse is lazy and they get, you know, spurs and sticks and because the instructor says it's lazy, just make that horse do this. And I say, well, I see the horse and I go, I see a horse that might lack a lot of confidence and and, it, and it's got to learn to explore a little bit and uh, become confident in these new environments that we put it in. And that's why the one rein start, you can't push the horse anywhere. You've got to rely on just where the horse goes. So basically, um, eventually the horse will just go in a straight line wherever you release that turn and uh, every direction becomes equal. And then, you know, the horse is equal in that arena and it's going this way the same as it's going that way and it's not, got, it's not stuck anywhere, it's not magneting, magneting anywhere. So when you've got that feeling at the walk, all I do, I, I'm still going to use the direction that feels better for the horse, which is usually walking back to its mates or uh, then going over to the, where there's no value for the horse. So I, I, I try and pick the, the best value direction for the horse. Um, and then as because the horse has led me away from there through the reins, I'll turn around and I'll pick that best value direction and I'll slow down to a stop. And then I'll start to bring in the legs and just sort of maybe just kind of bring in a rhythmy, rhythmy little leg bump and maybe cluck at the same time. And as the horse goes, oh, that's that one that we were doing on the ground and it'll start to move forward and travel. Now, because you've already taught the horse to walk forward, you're not teaching it something it hasn't already done. So you're just showing it another slip road to what it's already been doing, which is walking with a forward thought around the arena. So the legs are just a, 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 a vessel to get to where the horse has already been. So they learn to become more comfortable and like the legs more because the legs are just a helper. Not They're not making the horse do something it hasn't done or they're not making it go away from its mates or they're not making it go towards an environment that's still quite threatening to the horse. So all that those legs are doing is helping that horse go to a speed that it's already done. So what usually happens is when you've put that horse in that slow speed, uh, the, the, sorry, the speed that is chosen, from the standstill, it goes to the speed it's chosen in the walk. Then what happens if you kind of get that better so the horse gets there quicker, they get lighter and more responsive. So after a while, you know your horse going pretty good. You say, stop, now get into your walk. And, and the horse, instead of taking this many seconds to get into the walk, it actually gets there in less seconds. So you're actually not going faster. You're just getting more effective at getting from zero to that speed quicker. And then what usually happens is the horse just ends up in a faster walk anyway. And then soon enough, you can say from that faster walk, go back to the slow walk and then back up to your fast walk. So you always bring the horse below what it's already done. So the horse is happy to go up because it's already been there before and it's already chosen that speed anyway. So you can always bring your horse back up to that. And soon what ends up happening, you, you know, say the horse has chosen a, a medium walk with the reins and you haven't taught legs. It'll go from a standstill to a medium walk quite effectively. And then soon enough, as you're getting it to the medium walk, yeah, you keep that little bit of leg there and the horse will choose a faster walk. Then you go from the fast walk back to a slow walk and then it'll go back up to the fast walk and then soon enough it'll choose a jog. 
and you can see where we're going with this. You don't have to bring the horse all the way back to the standstill, but you could if you wanted to because you know it's always gone from a standstill as well, but you're just getting that horse to come forward with the legs. That's how I do it, and that's how I try and avoid just getting bigger on a horse that doesn't understand what I'm asking. So I've done a bit of the belly rope. I've done a bit of the, the you know, some stimulant on the sides to get it to know what that means on the ground because on the ground the horse is already just working with you. It's not stuck at the yards or something. And then, and then you basically do that under saddle, but as I say, you get the reins working so the horse is free in its thoughts and moving free, free through the reins. And that's why I don't do a lot of one rein stops, you know, uh, one rein stop, one rein stop, one rein stop, because then you don't have the reins to start your horse and then all of a sudden you've just got legs to start your horse and that's why horses find it a little more difficult. Mm, makes sense. Very good. Mark, we're going to have to move on to the next question. Um, there's a lot of detail there for Caitlin, um, but we've got a few questions to get through. So we'll go on to one that is a little bit different. It's about um, a particular mare that's not responding to us as a person. It comes from Emma. She's got a herd of five horses living on a track system. Um, they have access to hay rolls 24-7, but they're let out into these sections of grass paddocks to strip graze every day. They're normally easy to move out of the area for often after a few hours of grazing. Now she's got her mum's black mare living there who you met at a previous Perth clinic. And um, unfortunately her mum had a nasty fall from that particular black mare. They've been doing a lot of work with this particular mare since that clinic. However, she's unwilling to leave the grassy area when it's time. Easy and willing to be caught any other time, but when she knows it's just to be moving off the, the good feed, she'll turn her rump to you and threaten to kick, refusing to move or be caught. She isn't faced by a flag or a loud noise in this scenario. Now, as you know, um, Emma reminds us, she's worried by driving pressure. So do you have any ideas on how to move her along without using driving pressure? Because it's driving pressure in this scenario when there's no lead rape or fence to trap her. Now, is that the same as when it happens to her in education? Um, this is quite an important question because uh, Emma wants her husband to be able to move the horses around when she's tied up with the kids and, and things. Um, and at the moment, he's actually not confident doing it at all. So she wants to give him a way that will keep him safe, but move her out of the area that doesn't compromise all the education she's been working on. I think it's a great question. Yeah, it is a good question. I was thinking about it. Um... The problem with putting a value treat on the other side of, of the grass is, a, is you're just sort of giving up one treat for another treat and, and it doesn't necessarily always, you know, help the horses figure out in the long run. Now, I just want to explain driving pressure. So I spent a long time not driving at all to figure out how not to drive to then show people alternatives to driving pressure. There are times that you can shoe a horse. It's 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 um the what damages horses is shoeing them, shoeing not putting shoes on them. I mean shoe, you know shoe go away. I remember working with a bloke years ago. It was funny. Uh, I was working with him and he, he didn't have much to do with horses at any any time in his life. And and I and he, and he said to me one day, he said, "I know how to shoe a horse." And I'm like, "Oh, I didn't know you did much with horses to be able to shoe a horse." He said, "Yeah, shoe." <laughs> and I went, oh, that was a funny joke. But anyway, so you're allowed to shoe them a bit. You know, you're allowed to shoe a horse and, and get it to make a change and, and move away from pressure. Um, where people go wrong in driving pressure is they're constantly doing it to motivate their horse to do everything all the time because they 
you know, it's it's sometimes an easier way to get than opposed to get it to follow a feel or something like that. So they just rely on backing up everything with driving pressure. So it almost looks like the horse is feeling like it's always every time it's around education and people, it's getting pushed down the pecking order. That's when it causes real deep damage in horses. But if you watch a horse, they'll shoo another horse away from something. But the horse that kind of troubles all the other horses is the one that's doing all the time and keeps on about it all the time. So when there's no fences, and that was the key in that question, when there's no fences to trap your horse in and you just want the horse to let go of that grass idea, you just do something big enough to get it to let go of the grass. And if that means get it to move its feet away, then, then, then that's okay. But as soon as it does, you stopped and the horse, you're not chase, 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 okay? So you just might walk up to your horse close and, and I'll have a long flag on a stick or something, a longer one that I'm at a fair distance so I can stand still. And I know she may not like the flag, but if you've got a long flag on the end of a stick and you bang the ground or something and really kind of, you know, do something near her, she'll go, oh, what's that? And she'll go, oh, I'm not really comfortable there. I might move somewhere else. But as soon as her thoughts go back to that grass again, you can say, you know, it's not available now until, and by that time, I think what you could do is you could put the horses in another part of the laneway, uh, like and lock them, lock them there. So she's only there on her own and she's going to be like, well, you know, um, I might just go out and find the other horses now. Um, so you're just going in and saying that grass is not available. Um, you know, it's time to, time to knock off the grass and, um, instead of going in and trying to get close to her and softly get close and she's starting to fight and get angry, I just go in and say not available. And as I say, a longer flag on a stick, like just get a long lunge stick with a flag on it or a bag on it and just, you know, bang it on the ground or something, you know, near where she's eating until she goes, oh, that's not available. And then she'll search somewhere else. You don't want to traumatise it with it. As I say, you're not going to run around like you see a stallion running a gilding out of a herd and there's no way the gilding can get away because there's all these fences around it, so then it runs it through a fence. It's not going to be that same feeling. It's just going to be making that eating uh, a, a place of resistance and that horse goes, oh, well, maybe I'll, I'll just follow out into the laneway. And, and then soon enough she'll start to recognise time to not think about the grass when you walk in every day and she understands that that's that's you know time to stop it's just being super clear about it you know grass not available full stop time to leave okay and they start to be clear horses are very uh, understand clarity it's just that lack of clarity and, and and sort of wiggly wiggly soft boundaries that kind of get the horses to sort of you know question those boundaries that we have to be careful of now if you don't want to continually damaged by driving pressure all your education and all the other stuff is all getting a horse to go towards his thoughts opposed to just away from driving pressure this is just something to make that that eating um something that you don't want and because there's plenty of room for her to walk away then she can leave the situation and go out and and make it more to do with the conversation with her and the flag more than your energy and her you know you don't put all your energy into it and stuff like that don't make it personal just just make it clear i'm going to pop in a question here from um that that i think is quite pertinent to, to people listening because it's one that comes up quite a lot um and you've mentioned in that one that there's sort of you know you, um you sort of getting a horse to move away from something that you need it to do is not isn't is not going to be detrimental to it it's not like you're using driving pressure but this is a question that comes up a lot when you get a horse um that is totally and utterly unresponsive to a flag you know your little flag on the end of a stick and it's a tiny piece of plastic um 
very very can be quite noisy it can be very erratic and you do these very loud short bursts but some people just find the horse does nothing they're not bothered by it they're not scared by it um, and they don't want to get bigger and flappier and scarier because they don't want to make a harder shell so can you just just respond to that yeah, scenario yeah. um is it similar well, yeah you, you only build a big shell on a horse that you don't break through the shell so you have to make a change. Um, the more you do something, yes, right. yeah, you have to make a change. So if you if that means put a slightly bigger bag on a longer stick and stand right back and bang it on the ground like once, that the horse goes, geez, that was right near my nose, or, or maybe that was he didn't hit it. But what I'm saying is, if you banged it to meter from its nose and it just went la la la, I've seen you shake the flag a thousand times. It doesn't mean anything. Well, you might do it once in a way that maybe the horse went, holy cow, I just noticed that was a bit close. And, and they get a bit of a shock and then that shock gets them to change their thoughts so you've broken through the shell you're just doing enough to break through the shell um, the reason I do a lot of quiet work with horses and stand very quietly is so I don't create a wall of resistance to all the little things that are happening it's like when I say you know I'm sure anyone that's sort of been out in nature a bit can go very quiet and just close their eyes and then all of a sudden they smell the smells they hear all the little birds that they actually didn't hear they can feel the direction of the wind on their face and all their senses come to alive, but their awareness is super enhanced in a way. Um, so basically the reason when I'm working with horses, I'm not using big energy to drive them or ask them to do stuff is I want their awareness super enhanced with my quietness. This is more for the dull horses. I obviously I've answered questions in the past about brumbies and sensitive horses that I say, get a little bigger, move around. It's a whole different scenario. When you start operating your horse, you want them to, especially the dull ones, you want to be super quiet when you do stuff. And it's all that noise that has been in that horse's education that's made it angry and shell up to things. So I would rather go in with something once and say, you know, break that thought. And then as soon as that happens, everything goes quiet. And you're mm. super quiet. You're standing quiet. You don't just wriggle and diggle and, and, and move your energy and keep in there and blah, blah, blah. You just do something once and then they go, oh, what, what? And then they go back down to eat again and you're just standing there quietly like nothing's happening. And then like lightning, that one thing happens again and they go, oh, hang on a minute. I better stay aware. Yeah. So, so the caution goes up. So there's really a... Sh and they become more aware. What's that? So there's really a shock factor, really a shock factor to that. It's mm. not just an it's annoyance. Like a, it's a shock yeah, factor. Yeah. Mm. So, so, so doing something all the time like, focus on me or don't focus on that and you keep nagging that that just makes them get angry and shell up but if you do something once and then everything goes silent and there's no there's not all these little conversations happening they start to become responsible because they didn't know where why that they don't they, they knew that when they phased out something happened but because there's no rhythm to that thing that happened they start to go, oh, I can't anticipate that happening next. I'm going to have to be responsible. Whereas if you've got a rhythm and everything you do comes with a certain, I'm going to start like this and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, well, they get used to that rhythm. So they're prepared to emotionally block that thing that you're going to do because of your preparation before you did it. So when I do those random things, they didn't know where it came from. They just knew it happened. And it got them off guard. And by getting them off guard a little bit, some people say, oh, no, you're spooking your horse because you put them off guard. You're not going to do this with every single horse out there, but these are the horses that have shelled up to pressure and are used to this rhythmic pressure that comes in and they get angry or whatever they do. 
So it's to sort of make them more responsible for their own decisions instead of anticipate pressure coming and shell up deliberately because the pressure was about to be applied. Um, so it's like the exploding box that they didn't know happened. Okay, I guess, you know, out on a trail ride, right? If you knew that there was something that was going to explode outside and your horse didn't, and then something exploded, who's the better prepared one? You are, not your horse. So your horse might do a big spook. So by in a, in a learning environment, sometimes having that exploding box happen every now and again, that the horse wasn't sure that was going to happen, it starts to understand that there are things out there that may happen that it can't have predicted. So it has to be more naturally aware. And then they get a better level of awareness. So when the, the thing happens later on, they're 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 better prepared for it because they're not in another world they're in the the land of being very present and they're very present and they're aware of the things that are happening around them so so same in that scenario eating the grass you've just got to break that thought um until the horses are much more aware so it sounds like you kind of know what to do emma and uh, mark's giving you the all clear to go for it all right. So um, the next question is from Louise, and it's sort of a, a little bit of a similar one in that she's got this horse um, who she's working with on the ground. She is from California and she has an eight year old Oldenburg gelding. I haven't come across that before. Previously, a jumping training, um, jumping horse but was given to a horse sanctuary after a suspected suspensory injury two years ago. He was quite a monster to handle when he first arrived, but he's then since learnt to be a horse with other horses and has received minimal but gentle, kind attention from the volunteers. So he's starting to stabilise a lot. So um, Louise would like to know, um, she's sort of doing a bit of work with him. She's just figuring out whether he's going to be the right for horse for her. And she's, so she's been following some of your exercises and she's been doing the leading by where she, you send them out for a little adventure walk at the end of the lead rope or lunge line before turning them back to you. What he's doing is that as soon as he sort of feels the slight tightening of the rope, um, he carries a very strong counter flexion because he's getting ready for a pulling match. And by that, uh, he's actually turning his head away from her in order to align his skull with the direction of the rope. So he's really bracing, ready for this sort of pull. Um, what she would like to do is feel um, that she's supporting him when he goes on his little walk and she would like to um, turn him back when it makes sense to him and not just be another arbitrary human control issue. I, I love the way you phrase that, uh, Louise. Um, so how does she decide how far to let him go before he, bringing him back to her? Um, should it just be a tiny mm -hmm. bit at a first, you know, sort of first learning this or should it... Um, uh, sort of let him go quite far and try to be weightless while following along, do you know, walking behind him? Um, should she allow him to make, um, sort of be interested in the environment, like sniffing another horse's um, manure? Um, and when he goes stiff, um, how does she avoid all of that? So a few, a few sort of questions and she's just, just niggly sort of questions. How can she sort of make this exercise uh, right? Yeah, there's a that that's that's a fairly common scenario that when you let them do that they they prepare for a big brace um <clears throat> so just at the last clinic i had a um 
a mare at the clinic and she would, we started to get this lead soft around us, but as soon as she went out on lunge, she just looked out and just went around, around, around and just sped up every time you tried to, you know, get her attention or anything like that. If she saw any energy, just saw energy just go faster. And, um, and when we sent her out on an adventure, she would go sort of quite strong. Um, so part of the leading by is a softening process. So there's going to be a few answers in here and you might have to try all of them, uh, a little bit of each one. But the, the key before you lead them out is getting them feeling softer before they lead out. So sometimes if we just go lead by go, they're actually just carrying that brace and hard thought and that bit of anxiety as they walk past us. So that's why, like, um, you know, in another question a while ago, was 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 I was talking about getting a Brumby to lead by so it's not frightened or things like that. Some of these older horses, you're treating it the same. You're saying lead by, back off, lead by, soften. Don't let go of those strong thoughts. Stop, stop, you know, worrying. And and then the horse starts to get loose and soft and starts. To, and that leading by could take a while before you even get them to sort of go out. And a lot of those horses you're seeing let go of a lot of tension and they'll go oh. And then you pour them out and they just go, oh, and they walk out kind of loose because they were actually carrying the trouble of the leading by or not quite getting rid of their trouble. And they just took that trouble and took it and went. So it's not just lead by go. And I had to also be very careful now teaching and even um, explaining the leading by because the leading by would cause people some issues for various reasons. But one of those issues is what you're coming across is the horses charging out uh, and, and, and counter bending, ready to brace onto that pressure. So if you change their thought as they lead by, a lot of horses will soften and just <sighs> walk past. The horse has got old memories. It might be lunging memories. It could be anything going on in there where the horse is going, I just don't like this, I'm worried. And, and that can be solved in the way you lead them by. So sometimes I walk them back and walk them forward, get them to step over a little bit move past, move the hindquarter over a bit and just rock backwards and forwards. Again, really soft just when you're just beside their eye a little bit and then ask them by a little bit more and then and then you'll see them just get really comfortable and lead out soft, okay? So that's the first part of it. I'd really, I'd really hone into that and see what you can see and what kind of trouble that your horse is packing up and carrying past you as it goes past. You're trying to get them to unpack that trouble before they go out. And, and that will, in a lot of cases, fix a lot of that problem before they get to that problem. So think about that first, look into that. Then if they get out and then all of a sudden, like what happened with this mare, she'd unpack a trouble, she felt good, and after about three metres or four metres, she'd go, oh, I'm on a lunge, <clears throat> and she'd go back into that old habit that she got taught, which is unfortunately she's been on a lunge that many times that as soon as she gets so many metres away, one person on person on one side, it automatically goes kachink. This is lunging, and all the all the trouble that you unpacked suddenly goes back inside because of an old memory that's been hammered that many times that it's a habit. So in that case, you know, you're still going to have things that 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 you know that happen. But in some cases, the horses unpack trouble and just just let go of it, and pretty good. But if they get like that, and and, he, and then he still gets to a certain point, he goes starts to bend his head and start to seek that destination. You have got a couple of choices there. One choice, which I sometimes do, is depending on the yard and, and, and what I can do, is I just let that rope out, let him go further, and then I'll follow his thoughts. And if he stays at a walk, just stay at a walk with him until he starts to go, oh, nothing happened. 
And then all of a sudden that counter bend and that ready to brace suddenly softens and he just starts to go towards his thoughts and not leave. So you just hang with him until he goes, oh, oh, well, she's not doing anything. Maybe I'll just soften. And, and then you just might walk off to the left so he gets a bit of you in the corner of his eye and he sees you walking off. So say you're on the left-hand side for in this instance. Uh, he's, he's on the right. Uh, he's walked off. He's starting to get tight. You follow him and he might go around to the right a bit, but you just follow him around to the right and just keep following until he looks like he's gone, oh, well, nothing happened. He lets down his guard a little bit, becomes a bit more, uh, stops destinating his strong. And then as he starts to get into that frame of mind, you start to walk off to the left. So we see you going out the side a bit and he might look a bit and then you just take the rope and pull him over there and walk him over there and just walk with him. Just go for a walk. Don't just pull him back to you and do a U-turn. Just take him for a walk off the side and he'll come back over and follow you for a bit and then go through that process again. That's one way of helping him. Another way sometimes is, and I've done this before with horses, I've just felt that that time this horse needed this. So I've just, as, they, as they've just gone out and they've started to hyper-focus and start to get that destination, I'll like bang my flag or do something to make them let go of that thought and suddenly look back again. And then as they look back, I'll just walk off in a new direction and just give them something to follow, like a pathway, instead of you being anchored and saying, come back to me, I'm going to trap you. You're going somewhere, give them, give them something to follow and then and then keep repeating the process until they don't sort of destinate as soon as, as soon as you send them out. But I would probably try the first thing first, which I said, uh, is look how soft your horse is and see if there's more back, like, trouble that you can get it to let go of before you ask it out to um, get it to follow it for a little bit see if it lets down its guard and starts to get a little softer and then sort of give it a pathway off that feeling um, that's not like a trap to come back to you but it's a pathway to go somewhere else and you guys just walk walk off somewhere else and try again in another spot and three then you could also try um, you know distracting them if that thought gets quite strong and see if that helps all right, the next question is from Hermini and it's about her mare, Macy. And it's along a similar lines of her, her horse is snatching her head, but this is under saddle. So what's happening with Hermini and Macy is that when she's riding along, um, she's sort of getting a bit of a neck brace that's quite strong and her head will always go to the right. It normally occurs when she's on the left rein and she passes a gate or another horse. And it's worse when she's a bit distracted or she asks for a transition and she's resisting the leg or the rein. So if she doesn't do anything to correct it, she'll move in that direction. And she's um, tried asking her to do something else to distract her, like turning her left or moving her left hind over through, um, you know, through the rein. And she's tried um, just blocking it with the left rein when she does it. But none of these seem to be working. Do you have any suggestions? Um. One of those, well, the, the, the thing that I start to do in that situation, um, so I have, when I've had horses that block really hard on one rein, almost like the last question of my horse locks up and you don't want it to be a tug of war because sometimes when mm. they lock up with that counter bend when they want to go in a new direction, they've almost set the brace that they're not going to come with the rein and they know they're not going to go with that mm. rein. So it's very easy to waste a rein on a horse that's preset to go, I'm not going to go with that rein, I want to go that way. And they can get those little things in there that you can hold all day long with that left rein because they've they've chosen that they're going to block it. They actually block for longer and it's quite hard to get them to let go of it. So I 
the reason I like teaching horses to back up is it's kind of like an emotional reset that's neutral. The reason it's neutral is because what I mean neutral, it's neutral from left to right. So basically there's when you pick up on two reins, the horse is not going left or right. It's just going from forwards to backwards. Okay. So if you've got a good backup, you're not damaging. So, so for horses that are really stuck on one rein and they really start to predict the rein and start to go, Oh, I'm going to block on it a little bit, then I don't, I, I choose not to use that rein. So I think you said it in the question a bit that, you know, you have sometimes taken it. So say for instance, she bent right to go right to that, to that spot she wants to go. There are times I'll take that right rein and I'll use that right turn to redirect her thoughts back into something else. So in some cases I'll use the right turn, but I'll take over the right turn and say, well, now let's turn out and go somewhere else. And I'll keep using that right turn without touching the rein that she's blocking until she stops leaking to the right and getting that strong right thought. And then when she's more in the neutral, in the in the in the neutral as in floating between left and right, depending on what's happening, then you can take her to the left. Sometimes when she's truly following the right rein, you can get her following the right rein until she's soft and then gently take her out of the turn with the left rein. So you're offering her a new pathway. And you could make that pathway something a bit of an advantage for her, like a good direction for her with the left rein. So she's the left rein helped her to a to not such a bad idea. So so you can take over that right hand bend until you're guiding it and she's following that rein, and then take her out on the left rein when she commits to the right rein. That's one way. You've tried it a bit, I think, but I've just thought I'd explain it anyway how I would um, do it if I was doing it myself. But if that's kind of still causing trouble if i've got a um a rein imbalance in a horse that the horse is predicting that rein and locking up i'll take two reins so when the horse has a strong thought so there's a lesson i do i just drop drop the reins ride the horse when the horse goes oh i want to go in that direction instead of pulling the left rein and fighting that direction i'll just take two reins and say that direction is not available back up reset try again and I might even might even touch the left rein for a little bit I might just use the right rein to redirect the horse so back up when the horse is uh, in in neutral in this comp neutral I mean not left not right just backwards and even then you say follow the rein out so you get the horse to follow the rein when um, its mind has let go of that direction so you use the two reins to say let go of the direction soft get the soft thought in the back up and then redirect the horse and just let it travel again when it goes oh i'm going to go over there then you say well that's not available back up when the horse's mind is back with you in the backup not left not right then you say now would you like to go this way and the horse goes oh yeah well that's that's a good direction because it's it's given me an opportunity to go somewhere and then you sort of until you can take the horse left or right out of the backup in any direction and, and it's soft and then when you get then when you start riding it again, you get to that corner where the horse wants to go to the gate and then it goes, eh, and then you pick up on the reins. That's not available. When the horse goes neutral, then you just lead it off in a new direction. So you're using two reins to let the horse let go of a thought. The reason is because um, it's very hard to fix a one rein brace if you've always fought that horse with one rein and not quite got the horse to get a change of thought. Whereas with two reins, because it's not left, not right, you're not damaging that interest when you pick up one rein or the other, um, which is quite a important thing. That flick of the ear and that interest in that rein when you pick the weight up it is what is actually getting the horse to prepare for that turn and let go of the other thought. So it's 
it's almost like that lifting of the rein becomes a bit like a half hold as you lift the rein the horse is going yeah got it i know that left rein's being lifted so i'm over that side i know the right rein's being lifted i'm over that side so so sometimes with big braces if you pick up two reins you're not damaging that one or the other rein interest and and i think that's very important to to, to keep an eye on so you know if she's stuck if she, if she gets a strong thought back till she's more centered offer a new direction um, and try that as well so going with her until it becomes your idea and then you lead her out with the left rein for an opportunity to just go in a straight line um, or using the two reins to say let go of that and offer a new direction into a turn fantastic that's it for today that's our q a session from our online members um i just it's quite interesting mark listening to your answers that you're not just helping people with your training ideas they're, they're helping horses to actually grow and develop in their understanding and their emotional stability and actually to to hear training advice that that covers both of those things is, is just so so valuable and so interesting so thank you um, and you're off to Queensland very shortly and after that, Western Australia. So if you're listening and you're in either of those states, um, make sure you catch Mark while he's there. And uh, you've just had four weeks in Victoria, Mark. So lots of people are able to get to you at, at this time of year. So I know you've been extremely busy. So thanks for your time today. Thank you to all of our questions that have come through. And thanks for listening. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, everybody. You can learn more from Mark and his approach online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. Join hundreds of others around the world making real progress, fixing problems and improving their relationship with their horses. There are now over 500 training videos. Make use of the seven day free trial and take a look. Membership is just $15 a month and you get to ask Mark a question.